Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Sleepy's Firm Queen mattress, now just $299. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. The following program is a Forbes and Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Denise Ristari, and this is Mentoring Moments, a podcast where smart, witty, and bold women are sharing their triumphs and their skids. We aren't just talking, we're taking action, and we're inviting you to join us every Wednesday in my New York City apartment. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by the all-new crossover Toyota CHR. Edgy, stylish, and fun to drive. Visit toyota.com slash c-hr to learn more. Embrace the unexpected. And sitting across the table where everything happens in my apartment today is Ivy Wolf Turk. First of all, I just have to tell you, meeting you has been such a blessing in my life. Every time I'm with you, I feel the sense of gratitude and calm. And so I'm so happy that you're here because God knows I need to be calm. (laughs) So let me tell everyone about Ivy. Ivy was an executive in the advertising and real estate business, and she found herself caught up in a situation with criminal consequences. She was convicted of fraud and sentenced to five years in prison. And when I first met Ivy, she told me about the night she was sleeping at home, a single mom with her kids in her house, and 21 FBI agents at gunpoint handcuffed her in front of her children and took her away. It was one of those moments where you just look at her and you think, as a mother, your children, you can't even imagine. And as awful as that was, something happened in prison that Ivy never expected. At a place filled with suffering strangers, she got to take a look at who she was and who she wasn't. Her greatest adversity became her greatest curriculum for growth. And then in 2013, when Ivy re-entered the real world, another nightmare began. So I'm going to fast forward to today because I want Ivy to be able to share her stories and not me tell her stories. But let me tell you what Ivy is doing today. She is a freedom fighter, storyteller, a motivational speaker, a certified life coach, and the founder of Project Liberation, where she works with women who are imprisoned in their lives in one way or another. So Ivy, normally I would kick this off with my mentoring moment, but I have this feeling that our listeners are probably like saying, okay, well, you just put Ivy on, we want to hear her story. So instead of doing a full mentoring moment, I'm going to share a mentoring moment quote from Alice in Wonderland, because much of what I've learned in business and in life has come from Alice in Wonderland, as good or as sad as that might be. And I think this quote is meaningful to today's conversation. And here's the quote. Alice says, I wonder if I've been changed in the night. Let me think. Was I the same when I got up this morning? I almost think I can remember feeling a little different. But if I'm not the same, the next question is, who in the world am I? 
ah, that's the great puzzle. So most of my ideas come to me in the shower. That quote came to me in the shower yesterday and thinking, I think that you could probably speak to that quote about who am I and how things can change in the middle of the night. So take it away. Wow, Denise, I certainly can. Um, because I did go to sleep one evening and when I heard something at the door at 5.30 in the morning, never in a million years did I think I would open it to find 21 FBI agents at gunpoint telling me that I was under arrest for conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud. Never in a million years. And as I looked up and there were my children with their eyes on springs, like you see in cartoons, as they handcuffed me and took me away. All I could think, quite frankly, was, oh my God, I, I, I don't want to be here. I, 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 I mean, I didn't want to kill myself, but I just wanted to disappear. And as we rode in through the underground tunnels of New York City, I just heard myself thinking in some way there was some relief and as crazy as that sounds it was in that moment when handcuffed I was thrown into a waiting cell a cold dark place shivering that I realized I, I, I heard this Aeneas Nin quote so you have Alice in Wonderland and I have Aeneas Nin. And I heard this quote that said, and one day the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And I knew right then and there that as horrible as this was and that my life was probably over. I mean, I really thought this was it. I knew that I had lived unhappy in a life that really wasn't authentic valuing things that I really didn't value because I felt inadequate in certain ways to make any changes and afraid to make any changes. And it was in that moment that I knew I could not be in that pain anymore. And in certain ways, although it was the end, it was the beginning. Did you have any signs, anything telling you that this was going to happen along the way that you... Yes, there were many signs. This was not the first adversity of my life. It had gone on for almost 10 years. Uh, the first being waking up from a what was supposed to be a very minor surgery to find out that I had had a hysterectomy because they found a pocket of cancerous cells. And um, I was only 45 years old. And um, my whole life changed then. I, um, I got angry. I started looking at the chakra where this cancer was. I saw that it was the chakra of creativity in my body. I started exploring the connections between mind, body, spirit, and soul. Um, it really pointed me to dissatisfaction in my relationships um, and then my favorite person on this planet passed away, my dad, and that was quite shocking. He took ill and died within 30 days, and in that space, I got divorced 
from a man that I loved very much. Um, but I was, I was angry and I was disconnected and I was looking at results through achieving outside of myself and always feeling that I had to stay where I was, even though my business partner was a very, very abusive man and there was not a person in my life that knew him, that understood why I stayed there. But somehow I felt powerful by thinking I could fix him. I could fix the situation. Being a single parent, I could do this. And it was all about achieving outside of myself. And um, <laughs> clearly that didn't work very well. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. But it did in the end, in, in many ways. But did you have any idea that you were going to be arrested, that what you were doing? There were signs. There were many signs. There were all kinds of things going on. And in my soul, I knew that we were in trouble. Although we were closing a deal in two weeks that would have paid every investor every single dime they had ever invested over almost 17 years. And we were going to merge with a hedge fund um, because we knew the market was about to crash and we were going to have unlimited funding to support the growth of our company. So I bamboozled myself into thinking that all that intrinsically I knew in my soul, um, there was an exit plan. We would merge with the hedge fund, I would have a management contract, and eventually I would get out of there. Um, what I wish in the rearview mirror is that all those signs, all those years, knowing in my soul that I needed to get up and walk out, but I didn't believe I could do it without him. I and didn't, why is that? I really have discovered it was really a lack of self-worth, a lack of self-esteem, a belief that I wasn't enough. Before continuing with Ivy's story, I want to thank Toyota for sponsoring Mentoring Moments. Introducing an all-new crossover, Toyota CHR an edgy new ride that effortlessly takes center stage. Uniquely expressive CHR's precision cut lines let it shine from every angle. Agile handling helps this crossover show off its athletic side with a driver-focused cockpit that keeps you in command. Best of all, with its standard Toyota Safety Sense P-suite of active safety technologies, you'll get a valuable package of safety and cool tech. So embrace and express that bold spirit in the smartest way possible. Visit toyota.com slash C dash HR to learn more. Drivers are responsible for their own safe driving. Always pay attention to your surroundings and drive safely. Depending on the conditions of roads, weather, and the vehicle, the systems may not work as intended. See owner's manual for additional limitations and details. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by WordPress.com. More websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Create your blog or small business website today and get 15% off any new plan purchase at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. Now back to the conversation with Ivy Wolf Turk. When we first met, you told me that one of the things you saw in common with yourself and with other women who were in prison with you was lack of self-esteem. 
that in some way, shape, or form, that was the root of why everyone, or not everyone, but most of the people that you knew in prison were there. Something about the lack of self-esteem drove them to do whatever they did. That's absolutely true. Another adverse moment that happened, you know, certainly I described a little bit about that day being arrested, but there was a very, very pivotal moment in prison. I call it the moment where I actually gave birth to myself in my foot. Um, In federal prison, women are forced to wear men's clothing, and that includes wearing steel-toed boots. And one day, coming out of a meditation, my foot felt as if I was giving birth in it. And it started to swell. And what ended up happening was it turned out there was a hairline fracture. And in that moment, I was taken off my job in construction. They thought a real estate developer naturally should be in construction. <laughs> That's it's a just, great connect the dots. <laughs> right. It's, it's just one of those federal prison it's, right. moments. And, it's in the same um, category. I actually loved my job in construction. What so were you doing? I was driving a truck. I was minding the shop. I was learning how to tile bathrooms, build roofs. It was, you know. An orange is a black moment. It was slave labor. It was. But I had a terrific boss. He happened to be a nice guy. Uh, Not all correctional officers are. So I felt very blessed. Um, I got off campus every day. I got to plant a garden. And I did a lot of writing Mm -hmm. at my big old wraparound desk in the construction shop. And I used to fantasize that the tools that were on the wall were life tools. And of course, if one of them didn't get returned at night, I was going to go to solitary. So it was a responsible job, which I related to in some ways. <laughs> um, so now I was I was grounded. I, I wasn't allowed to go back to the shop because you must wear steel-toed boots. And I was sequestered to this one long hallway and my personal bunk where everyone lived, 210 other women. And that was probably the lowest moment. I felt stripped down to my blood and bones. And then I heard what you never want to hear in federal prison, my name on the loudspeaker being called to an office. Usually when that happens, it means that somebody in your family or close to you has passed away. And what that usually means is that you won't be allowed to go to the funeral. And my heart was in my throat It feels that way now as I'm telling this to you. And I hobbled down the hall to the office only to find that I was being offered a job as a GED English teacher. And I have to say that in that moment, I found my life's purpose. I was given a classroom, a curriculum to study, and the ability to meet with many, many women who I discovered were just like me, past age, past race, past socioeconomic background, religion, any demographic you could throw at me, we all lacked in one thing, that self-esteem, that lack of, not knowing that we were enough, and in some cases, believing we were even too much. And what I got to see in administering this curriculum and others that I then 
was able to administer journaling, meditation, yoga, modalities that could connect us all in ways that I was connecting myself with all the time in the world to learn how, I got to see that when we allowed ourselves to see ourselves as whole and not broken, what happened was that we could include our shadow side and the shame and the blame and the feelings of not being enough melded into what was beautiful and brilliant. And we came to see that beyond whatever criminal choices we made, that left turn instead of the right turn was really not about being criminals. There was this common denominator of not being able to say one sentence. No. Didn't matter if it was the abusive business partner, the husband who was beating her, the drug dealer boyfriend, the brother who took over the business. It didn't matter. We all didn't feel enough to say no because of what the consequences might be. And so as women started looking at themselves as whole and not broken, we started making the choice to take a chance together to make these changes. And I have to say, it opened so much space. There were moments when people used to look at me walking down the hall of a very dreary place and say, what's wrong with her? She's too happy. Maybe she's working for the feds. <laughs> you know, it was like something had shifted and not only for me, but for all the women. And of course, in the beginning, this, this resilience, this ability to bounce back when things don't go as planned, it wasn't natural for me. Coming from the inside out, from my own inner resources, from my discoveries, taking chan these chances to really be who I was do what I loved. I loved this. I loved seeing women rise above their shame and the blame and noticing that maybe they weren't frauds in the way that they looked on federal documents, but they'd been fraudulent to themselves just like I had. And we became the sacred sisterhood. We created an opportunity to go out into the community with the camp administrator at the time and speak to at-risk youth about the choices we made. And it was amazing to see these kids in underserved communities all around Connecticut going, oh my God. And we were women of every race, every color, every age, every different type of sentence. And we were all saying the same things. I made my choice was, and I'm more than my one mistake. But that takes so much courage. You know, we've talked about this a lot on the show about not being enough. And there are women on the show who have led major divisions of major corporations who to this day are still feeling that I'm not enough. And I was at a dinner last night and we were talking about that at the, I mean, it wasn't like purposefully brought up, right? It was just someone said, we, they were talking about something and they said, you know, 
I need to take a break from what I'm doing because I just feel like I'm never enough. I don't feel like I'm enough. I my daughter's seven years old. I don't feel like I know her. And someone said, you know, I just took a year off from work to be able to spend time with my daughter and she's nine. And the other day she said to me, my daughter said to me, mom, you're spending like way too much time with me. And she said, as a mother, I thought mission accomplished. My daughter is like, okay, could you just go back to work now that I now have gotten to know my daughter. But, and I said, but why do we go from the extremes sometimes? You know, we're going from the workaholic to the, I'm going to throw it all away for a year and I'll come back to it. Why is it so hard to figure out how we can be enough? Because we're not taught, Denise. If you got in, if you needed to fly to Italy today, could you get in the plane and fly without flying lessons? We as women are conditioned to take care of everything, fix everything, nurture everyone. You know, it's, it's, it's part of what we're conditioned to be. And I'm not sitting here as a victim and saying that, you know, there aren't circumstances like extreme poverty and, you know, abuse and trauma and all kinds of, I mean, those are very specific pathways that women fall prey to, but a lot of it is our conditioning. And what we forget in this extreme, you know, uh, moment of uh, I'm burnt out is that we forget that we're living from the outside in and not the inside out. And so in taking um, a year to really look, to bring our curiosity to all the parts of ourselves, all the pieces that make us up, even the shadow side, and include it all, it's, it's, it's being the whole quilt. Wholeness is the goal. But we're conditioned that if you know, we do this, then we can have that and then we'll be happy instead of noticing, bringing that curiosity, bringing that open-hearted, genuine, authentic set of values. It becomes like an inner GPS. If you know what's important, if you bring your curiosity to every situation, you're not living a role, you're living authentically. You're living, truly being who you are, daring to do what you love and having faith and the faith piece without getting religious or overly spiritual, but the faith piece, living in the journey of being who you are, risking doing what you love, bringing your passion, bringing what makes your heart sing, brings you to the faith that you'll have what you need. Before we keep going with Ivy, let me give a shout out to WordPress. So I call the florist near my mom's apartment. She lives in a small city outside of Pittsburgh to order flowers for my mom. The florist says, I love your mom. And she tells me a story about my mom from like 20 years ago, a story that I had not heard before. It was a beautiful walk down memory lane. I love local businesses because there's a special personal touch. But how can a small business make a really big impact? By going to wordpress.com and creating a website for your business or personal blog. Even if you don't have a clue how to build a website, wordpress.com can guide you through the process, starting with customized themes. Plus, when you're on wordpress.com, you'll get built-in social sharing and search engine optimization. On wordpress.com, you are part of a community with support 24-7. 
Come see why nearly 30% of all websites run on WordPress and why more websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to wordpress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's wordpress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. wordpress.com slash Forbes. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Sleepy's Firm Queen mattress, now just $299. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in, this sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Hey, have you heard? Podcast One has a whole bunch of awesome new shows filled with big names that are waiting for you on our brand new amazing app. This one's a game changer. There's Norman Lear talking to Amy Poehler, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and Charles Barkley. Geffen Playhouse Unscripted with Brian Cranston, Josh Gad, and soon Neil Patrick Harris. Nice. OC Real Housewife, Heather Dubrow's World, Lady Gang's Three Mimosa Podcast with Leah Michelle, Nelly Furtado, L. King, and more. Plus every episode of The Adam Carolla Show, Dan Patrick, and Rich Eisen. And if you like what happens in the ring, we've got Steve Austin, Chris Jericho, Chael Sonnen, and a whole bunch more. So download our one of a kind new app and see for yourself. Go to the App Store, Google Play, or download it now at podcast1.com. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree, rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. I think it's hard to figure out what what we were put on this earth to do, and I don't mean to sound so out there about it, but we're, what were we meant to, what are we here to do? What is our purpose here, right? I remember years ago, one of my consultants, when I was leaving USA Today, she had said to me, but what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to be a lawyer. And she went, I didn't ask you what you didn't want to do. I asked you what you want to do. And that's a really hard question when you're going, 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 right? When you're just going so fast that you're not taking the time to think, where do I want to go? Who am I? Going back to Alice in Wonderland. And it's like, you know, who am I? And what is it I want to do? So I want to go now into your re-entry into the, into the world that we're in now and how that was as difficult, if not more difficult than being in prison. So you get out of prison and you're, are you optimistic that things are going to? Okay. First of all, let me say this. There's not a person, man, woman, at-risk youth, I don't care who you are, that walks into prison and doesn't spend every day. Thinking about getting out? Yes. It's, it, it, it occupies, there are some people who count. There are people who count days, people who count hours. Quite frankly, I don't believe in counting because that was not being in the present, in the moment, which quite frankly is all we have. That's a whole other discussion. Right. I want to interrupt for one second, though, because I think we do that in our regular lives as far as like retirement and stuff, right? Or we're count. I mean, I have friends, because I'm in my 60s now, who are saying, I just can't wait till next year until I retire. And they actually are doing a countdown to retirement. That, like, that's not a person that's living. No, it's that like, person okay, so is not present. Right. And, and then when I say, what are you doing, though, after when you retire, I'm thinking, well, maybe they have these glorious plans, right, to do something. Nothing. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going to be working. And I think you've been doing this job now for 20 some, 30 some years. And all you've been looking forward to is retirement. 
what have you just how, done with your life? How sad is right. that? Right, and I think there are people, many people that whether it's work retirement or they're, it's kind of the my kids are going off to college and then my husband and I will travel, but they never travel. It's waiting for the next thing. Well, is self worth about your accomplishments? Is self worth about the next thing? About doing, or is it about being? Right, and you're not present. I mean, it's like, and I'm not. You know, I, I don't want to be that every moment of every day because I, I'm not, I, I believe that, that we have to live every moment of every day. Do I do that? No, but I try, you know, try and I'm really being conscious about trying to be present these days that when I'm doing something, I'm present. I used to have season tickets to the hockey games in DC and I used to be there watching the hockey game, thinking about, I, I, this will sound crazy. I was in my twenties, right? Thinking about what I was going to wear to the next event I was going to. It's like, Okay. What? So, I mean, if you and I ha- had the chance right now, I would coach you and ask, like, what was underneath that? And it was some some something. Right. Okay. We, we're, we're not going to do a coaching right. session now. But well, I am after this. <laughs> Certainly. We'll do the subsequent podcast, to. right? Um, but back to your story. I, didn't, I just wanted no, to make that no, point to our it, listeners that it's, it's not just counting the days to get out of prison. We all create our own, the prisons of our minds that we're living in. Well, that's really the point. Um, I was in prison long before I manifested going to one. And I realized that in the unpeeling that happened while I was there. And of course, although I didn't count days, what I did look forward to was being reunited with my values, the, the, the people that were most important to me, my beautiful children, um, two that I gave birth to and two that were bonus children to me from my second marriage. And so there were these four remarkable human beings who had supported me, which, by the way, makes me very, very, very rich. Um, and many of the women, many of the sisters I served with and continue to serve in the work that I do today did not have the ability. They were ripped from their families, from their children, um, in ways that they never were able to get visits. Their children were far away. They couldn't afford to come. What, whatever it was, um, the courts had put them in foster care. Uh, so I was living to come out and be with them. But of course, you imagine that things are going to be where you left them. I mean, I don't know why we all think that, but I came out and, you know, the government had taken my home and the kids were all displaced and struggling. And how old were the kids when you went to prison? Um, the youngest was 20 and um, the oldest was 29. So they were not babies. Right. Um, but nonetheless, they were not settled totally in their lives. I mean, my oldest son got married while I was in prison. My youngest son moved to Berlin to finish his schooling on student loans. Um, My oldest daughter, you know, struggled in the breakup of a relationship. And my youngest daughter graduated and then got into grad school um, all by herself, you know, mega, mega dollars in debt. Um, struggling just to keep a roof over her head because our family home was gone. And it was not easy. It it, it was not easy. Um, So I came out, you know, in this romantic vision that like, you know, I'm going to be free. And that couldn't have been further from the truth. 
yes, I was free of some of the imprisoning thoughts that I had entered prison with, which as crazy as it sounds, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience, for that stripping down, for that self-reflection time. Do you think you could have gotten there without being in prison though? I'm sure I could. Had I had the ability to do what I'm now administering for others, if it was available to me um, in this way, or if I had known about it, because I'm sure it might have been available in some other form, maybe, for sure, yes. Right. I mean, I want to... But living the life you were living. No, living backwards from, you know, the outside in, absolutely not. Living in, in outcomes and defining my worth by outcomes... Absolutely not. I would have probably just created another cancer or another disaster, you know, that stopped me and really stopped me. And when you say outcomes, were you looking at that as financial success? It was in every way. You know, it was when when you live from the outside in, you're looking at what you look like, how much money you have, uh, you know, things, people, places and things. That's not really what matters to me. It, the truth is it never really did. Right. That's what's so ironic. And yet I lived a life. If I had this, I could do that and then I'd be happy. It was backwards. Have, do, be versus be, do, have. And so it was all in the doing and not in the being. And so I came out. I was um, sent to a halfway house in the Bronx Needless to say, it was not a very pleasant place. Um, there were very few women. The majority were men. It was filthy. So when you leave prison, you leave with what? What did you have to come out to the world with? Some books and the clothes on my back. Any money? Any money? Right. You only make twelve cents an hour. Right. In prison. So you had the thing. So you have no, no financial resources. None. No financial resources. Uh, just the grace of friends that made donations and sent a pair of boots and a pair of leggings and a couple of sweaters through my daughter. Um, my children banded together and got me some toiletries and a new hairbrush and, you know, some real basics and, um, put a hundred dollars in my pocket, um, and said, mom, you know, we're going to do the best. This makes me cry. We're going to do the best we can to support you, but we're barely living ourselves. And, um, you know, we're going to try to help you get a job and find your way, but it's not going to be easy. Nobody lived near the Bronx. I mean, not that they were so far. I mean, Amanda was, was in Massachusetts and Brandon was in Berlin and, and, um, Kelly and Josh, you know, they, they just didn't really know how they could help me. They, they were holding down several jobs themselves and Kelly was, you know, trying to get clinical hours. And I mean, it was crazy. It was just, oh boy, you and know, as a mother, this is the last thing you want to be doing to your, for your, it's with your the, kids, right? It, I mean, the last thing you want to be as a mother is a quote unquote burden. Well, in addition kids. to which, you know, they go to prison with you. Before we keep digging into Ivy's story, let me tell you about Braintree. Having an up-to-date payment system is one of those things like a rattle in your engine that you might let slide to the bottom of the to-do list. Everything's working now, so you'll get to it when you get to it. But that's not necessarily a practical strategy. Leave it too long and you could be stranded on the side of the highway. And when we're talking about getting paid, 
you don't want to get stranded, it might not be a bad time to check in with Braintree and keep your business humming. Braintree, rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. Mentoring Moments is brought to you by FreshBooks, which is a ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter Mentoring Moments in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Now back to Ivy's gripping story. We had to unpack the shame and the blame and the fear and the, the, the stigma that they had to go through as my children and the friends, you know, those that really saw who I really am and those who didn't and the disappointments and the family schisms and the um, dis- just terrible, terrible discrepancies in the administ- administration of the system and how it treated me. And, um, of course, unfortunately I am from privilege. I find myself apologizing (laughs) for this a lot and I am educated and there was really no place for me in reentry. So I came out and went to many of the institutions that claimed to serve those of us in reentry. And all I kept hearing was, you'll be fine. And finally, after a few months, after getting mugged in the halfway house, tearing, having my rotator cuff torn, my kids banded together with my second hus- ex-husband and said, you can't live there anymore. And the time for me to be on home confinement was nearing. And my youngest daughter moved out of her apartment in with a friend And they banded together and gave me six months worth of rent so I could have a place to live that was safe to start my life. And I'll never forget that first night where I sat there with the family dog, which they had taken care of while I was gone, in my arms on an air mattress with a lamp. And I thought, okay, This is freedom. And I was so grateful. I also was scared. What am I going to do now? Everybody's telling me, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I went to one place and I said, but I'm not fine. I'm hungry and I'm scared and I'm unemployed and I, my rent is going to run out. And they said, well, if you're hungry, we have pancake mix. That's all they could offer me. And so I decided that what I did inside, bringing this fusion of healing modalities to women who did not come from privilege like I did, who did not have the education necessarily that I did, I needed, this was my life's purpose. And being who I am, I now had some street cred because I had a shared experience but I felt like I needed a credential in a very non-felon friendly world other than ex-felon. And so I began to investigate every school I could possibly investigate and one after another turned me down. 
I needed scholarships. There were no scholarships. I needed something, somebody to take a chance. And I had my eye on one coaching school in, in particular because it specialized in coaching for transformation. It specialized in cross-cultural diversity. And I knew that to really tackle bringing together these modalities, arts-based intervention, yoga, meditation, and life coaching, I needed special training. And they took a chance on me. Leadership That Works, Coaching for Transformation, changed my life. They became my first family outside of prison. 28 beautiful souls in that training over the next year. So I got out in November of 13. And in November of 14, I graduated as a certified professional life coach. And I had found by being who I am, daring to dream and risking really, really, really doing what I love, what I had always loved. I had always loved being with people, being in connection, letting love lead, operating from my heart, not from my fear. And I came out and I graduated and I started my practice and then a miracle happened. One of my clients had a friend who won the lottery. I mean, <laughs> this is, these things just you don't can't make happen. This stuff you up. can't make this stuff up. You can't make this up. stuff up. And we became, we, we became partners and we needed a 501c3 to administer the grant. Um, I took it to the Women's Prison Association because I made a commitment to leave no woman behind. And for one year, I worked in the laboratory, experimenting this beautiful curriculum that I had written and devised. And a year later, I left. That's a story in and of itself, which I won't get into now. But I was liberated because I was dealing with an institution that pretty much was dependent on institutional type funding and was used to pathologizing people as outside experts, administering what they should do and they have to do and never really buying into this modality or fusion of modalities that describes to building inner resourcefulness. So a person just like I did could discover what they would choose to do if they dared to dream. One of the great things, Ivy, about your story, and I think for all of our listeners and for myself, and is looking at it and saying there are so many things. One is that whenever we come up with excuses for why we can't do something, right? I can't do it because I'm too old. I'm too young. I don't have enough money. I can't go to school for this. Whatever the reason is, there, there are excuses. If we truly want to do something... They, that those things should not get in our way. And, and you're a perfect example of the evolution that you're taking one step forward and you're getting to a point and you got to a point and it still wasn't where you needed to be, but you didn't stop there. No. And you kept going and you keep moving forward. And I wish we had more time. We can get into the story of the sisterhood came into play for you mm-hmm. that um, women joined together 
to really help and support you and to lead you. I want to talk about, unless there's something else here, I want to talk about what you're doing now. We talked about it, the modality, and just to give us a little brief on what you're doing now so our listeners can know. If they're, you know, I look at this and think, if people are either themselves in a situation or they know other people or they know organizations that can use what it is that you bring to them that so I want them to know a little bit about what you what it is that you're doing with the liberation project okay I I would be very happy to tell you because a lot of people don't understand this concept of what project liberation is basically what we're doing is building a movement to disrupt the pathways to prison or feeling imprisoned in one's life in one way or another to open doors to sustainable freedom for all women. And what we do is we provide women with the tools to reclaim their stories, to really become catalysts for change in their own lives. Our workshops are offered across all stages of criminal justice involvement. I actually was just for the first time allowed into Rikers last week. And we offer over 14 weeks what I described, this beautiful fusion of life coaching, arts-based intervention, yoga, and meditation. And we create a safe community, which um, is so different from the one that currently exists that tends to dehumanize the very women that it's serving. There's no one-size-fits-all solution, Denise. We believe for every woman who receives the healing and empowering and supportive services that we offer, the tools. We don't claim to know anything, but we believe each woman knows everything. Given the opportunity in a safe container, in in an environment where she's given the opportunity to really take a good, hard look at what would make her heart sing, um, there becomes a powerful ripple effect. And... Um, once women can really connect with their own sense of power and purpose, what we're seeing is that they can go support their families and give back to their communities and disrupt these very, very specific pathways that lead them to being imprisoned or in actual prison. Before we keep going with Ivy, I want to do a shout out to FreshBooks. For a lot of us, the paths we take in our lives can lead us down many different roads. And a similar thing happened to FreshBooks on its road to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company, they've managed to stay small while soaring to over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customer base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth. By drastically simplifying tasks like tracking expenses and getting paid online, invoicing so you can send professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds, and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. But this is only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do, and they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to freshbooks.com slash Forbes and enter Mentoring Moments in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This is Mentoring Moments with Denise Rostari. Now back to Ivy's story. And I have to say that there's one institution 
that really stands out for me. And I'm, I'm very proud to be um, administering most recently in the last few months Project Liberation. We do groups on our own and with community partners, but my favorite new community partner is the New York City Department of Health. They have opened seven centers for health equity um, in the boroughs with a purpose of eliminating health inequities that are rooted in the things that we're talking about here, the, the historical injustices and discrimination that includes gender bias and also racism. And we see that. I mean, I'm a minority among minorities, but seven, 70 to 80% of women are mothers. And our segment of the incarcerated population has grown 750% in the last few years. This work is imperative. We're wiping out our mothers, our women, our families, our communities. This needs to be addressed. And so they have hired Project Liberation to offer classes on holistic health to address toxic stress and all the other things that that we do and to really connect women to their intrinsic internal beings so they can be who they are, do what they love, and not have to live as victims but as heroines, as Nora Ephron once said, of their own lives. And I, I just think what you're doing, your whole story is... It's a story of courage. It's a story of failure. It's a story of courage. And as we were talking earlier, you know, the, how you found your courage to not be a victim is what, for this segment of the podcast, I want to leave all of our listeners with, is that we're not victims, no matter what situations we get ourselves in and the prices we have to pay, we're not victims. And we just have to have the courage to, find, to figure our way into what we're really supposed to be doing and to the happiness of our lives. And now we're going to take this podcast in a different direction. We're going to do a little segment called I'm Done With That. And I think there are probably a lot of things you're done with, and I'll kick it off and you can think of what you're done with. So I'm done with thinking of what I want to take to someone's house when they invite me to dinner. And I'm done with that with thinking about what I want to take because I'm borrowing an idea from Libby Moore, who has been on the show. She came to dinner and she brought lottery tickets. And I thought, I used to do that years ago. I used to bring lottery tickets for all the dinner guests. And it's especially fun if you do the scratch-offs, right? Because you immediately win. And I used to have a house rule. If I was the host, that I got 50% of the winnings. But that doesn't have to be anybody's house rule. You don't have to take 50% of your friend's winnings. But that was just my rule. It was like, if you win, I get 50%. But so I'm done with So that's I'm passing a tip on to everyone. It's a great hostess gift to be able, and it's fun, and people get a kick, and it's a different conversation starts up. So that's my tip. Take lottery tickets to the next dinner you're invited to. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, I'm going to steal my tip from Thomas Edison. Uh-oh. <laughs> my tip is to say to yourself, I have not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> and try again. Try again. Try again. So you're done with not trying, with looking at when you don't succeed as failure? Exactly. I'm done. I am done. But you've been done with that, right? I mean, that, that's a great, you don't have to be done with it today. And that's a great, that's great that you're done with that. Well, you know, every day another challenge comes right. up. Every Do you find day. yourself sometimes though sinking back into it and think like you have to 
consciously of say? Like it doesn't come naturally. That you just are like, okay, I'm holy go lightly, and there I am human, right. and so I need to face my shadow self. Old habits die hard. I'm human, and so I have to self coach. I have to walk my talk every day, and there are times when I'm tired and I'm defeated and I'm scared because there's no money in the bank. Right. That I'm not going to make it. What's to become of me? So how do you get out of that scared mentality? I welcome it to breakfast. I, there's a poem. Make some pancakes. <laughs> I do. There's a poem by Rumi called the guest house. And it, it, it's basically about inviting all of you to your breakfast table. So I take a moment to pause. Pausing is very important. Yeah, that's one of the other things I'm done with, not breathing. Oh, breath. Breath. You know, we can live without food for quite some time. We can even live without water for quite some time, but we can't live without air. So taking a breath, pausing, really taking a look at who's present, who's at the front door, inviting them in. As the Rumi poem says, I'm not going to say, Ms. Depression, you are being punished. You're not getting pancakes. <laughs> I'm feeding all of them. I'm noticing if I'm watering the weeds or the flowers. I'm asking them why they came today and what they want me to know. And in that moment, I'm creating space to really be authentic, ask, bring my curiosity. And I, 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 I can't even tell you it opens space for miracles because I always have room to really be in that moment then. And not, you know, it's, it's, it's like the Buddha said, suffering is, is really... <laughs> A part of life. If you accept that, you can create room. Oh, I agree. You know, if you try to push it away or make believe it's not happening, which is what I used to do, I just was in denial completely. So look what happened. Created what I call dis-ease in every part of my life. When I allow even what feels painful or like suffering, miracles happen. I, it's, that taking that breath and that pause makes all the difference in the world. As I said earlier, it's when I'm always going too fast, like I'm just going, 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 is when I get in trouble. So Ivy, now we're going to do takeaways. We've crowdsourced questions from our listeners. And one of the questions is, when you were first in prison, did you take responsibility for your actions? Were you able to say, I did something wrong, I'm paying the price? Absolutely not. I was absolutely the ultimate victim. Everything felt unfair, onerous, and quite frankly, if I wanted to die when I got arrested, I really wanted to die then. Um, and what I got to see was that I had choices. And once I really started to look at myself and the truth about the choices that I made, there are always different choices. There are always different options. There are always many ways to skin a cat. 
And uh, once I took responsibility for the mistakes that I made, I found out that I wasn't a fraud in stealing 30 million, but I was a fraud in the way I was living. And the minute that shift happened, what I'd like your listeners to take away is to please take responsibility for what you're noticing. Pause, bring your breath, bring your curiosity and notice whether you're in alignment with what's really important to you. If it's not, say no. So I think that's one of the biggest things is that as women, so often we are the good girls, we're the pleasers, we want to say yes to everything, and because we think people won't like us if we don't do it their way. And that's always when we end up in trouble. So Ivy, I can't thank you enough for being here and thank you, thank you for sharing your stories because it's these stories that when we dig deep and we share those stories that really help all of us. So thank you for being the sisterhood. Thank you, Denise. Thank you so much for giving me this chance. It's a big deal. It's a a big deal. (laughs) Sending you kisses. Thank you. I'm really touched that Ivy has joined us today on Mentoring Moments to share her stories. She has gone through the ringer. She went through the dark times from prison to the halfway home. But with her great support system and the ability to really dig deep, she came out the other side. But she had to quit living in the prison of her mind and really realize her self-worth. That's what got her to the other side. And now she's able to help others. It's just that story that we can all get through it and move way far beyond where we ever thought we would go. So thank you for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments the moment it's live every Wednesday, remember to download new episodes on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. And make sure to rate, review, and share. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. Talk to me. I'm easy to find. Always on Twitter at Denise Ristari. Until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at PodcastOne.com, Forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And we're the hosts of The Limit Does Not Exist, a podcast for human Venn diagrams. That's right. We talk to people with intersecting interests in the arts, STEM, entrepreneurship, and so much more. The easiest way to explain science to non-scientists is to use art. I worry that we lose a lot of creative engineers because our engineering curriculum is not creative. Education should be about empowering people to become better thinkers, good problem solvers, creative inventors, and ethical caring citizens. Download new episodes of The Limit Does Not Exist every Monday on the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. It's the semi-annual sale at Mattress Firm. For a limited time, get huge savings of up to $500 on our top-rated mattresses. We have more than 15 beds with over four-star ratings on sale store-wide. Like our fan-favorite Sleepy's Firm Queen mattress, now just $299. You won't find this deal anywhere else. But hurry in. This sale ends Tuesday. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. 
I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law, is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.